Hello, hello. What is going on, Roman? I feel very, very honored and humble today. Why is that? Are you going to reveal our special? We have a very, very special guest today. Um, He goes by Tanner the Stack Lindsley. Yeah. Uh, I've never had anybody call me the stack yet. The stack. If you if you were like a '90s WWE wrestler, your nickname would be the stack. Yeah, your stage stage have... name. Yeah, and the stack. Yeah, sounds good, right? Yeah, hey, my my little boy, he's like four years old. He calls me when he wants when he thinks he's being funny. He calls me Tan Stack now. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's hilarious. And, and I actually, believe it or not, but the, the name kind of makes me a little uncomfortable because I, ne- I would never want to come across as like, oh, yeah, I'm Linus Torvald. I'm going to name this operating system after myself. You know, <laughs> like I never want to come across that way, but it just started as like a nickname thing, you know, and my wife knows that it makes me uncomfortable, too. So she's like. What's daddy's nickname? And I'm just like, all right, everybody shut. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. That's great. That's great. Um, no, it's so it's go ahead, Roman. Sorry. I just want to start by saying uh, thanks, Lan- uh, Tanner, for uh, giving us uh, some of your time. And really, I think I think both of us are big fans of your work and. Uh, and we're really happy to have you on to chat a little bit. Well, thanks. I'm big fans of you guys, so I'm happy to be here. Oh, my oh, God. I, 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 I blush. I'm blushing. We don't have this on video. I'm blushing. I just want to I'm I just want to put it out it. there that this, uh, this episode is a direct competition with the other Israeli podcast that you were on. Yeah. So this, ha- this has to be, like, better. Okay? Okay. Just to, just setting the expectations here. I'm yeah. always willing to give it my best. <laughs> Shout out to front and land. Yeah. <laughs> In near Ben Yair and a lot. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're really happy to have you here. And also, I have to say this. Uh, Mishko says hi. Uh, he's a big fan as well. And he really, really wanted me to kind of try and dig deep with you about something, but we'll get to that. But I'm Let's really curious. It, it's resumability, in case you. No, it's were not wondering. resumability. No, no, no. No way. Not, it's like I, I it was definitely it was be something else. <laughs> no, actually, it's type safe routing that he's interested in, and I'm interested in that too. However, right. what I'm really before we get down that rabbit hole. I'm really curious about like what is your motivation now with all your different libraries going agnostic? Like where did that come from? Um honestly it came is because it was like I could. Like it was like a well like I could do this. And it 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 got to the point where it's so in reach, like within reach that I was like, well, let's just try it out. Like I kind of, I gloss over it in my talk from uh, React Summit this year. I talked about React Table, five years of whatever. And then I like blindsided people with a TypeScript talk basically. Um, 
but in that talk, I, I kind of alluded to this evolution where I started it in React because that's what I needed. And then I turned everything headless and it was still React. But then as soon as I turned something, like as soon as I turned it headless, it was, it was just one more little hop away to be like, you know what? I've already extracted out my logic away from the DOM and from, you know, styles. It's just logic now. It would not be very difficult to just go a little further and, abs you know, get away from React. So it was kind of like a little challenge. I was like, oh, I wonder if I could do that. Um, and obviously I had people be like, hey, can I use React's table in view? And I'm like, no, that's dumb. Uh, <clears throat> but it worked out. So it was a gamble and it took me a while. It was definitely not easy to get away from React, but I was curious on how that was going to change things like all of my state management and, and all of my API design. I was curious how it was going to, how it would change everything. If I were just to like, you know what, let's write 90% of this iceberg in just TypeScript and then mm -hmm. slap on some React after. And oh, okay. Caveat, like I was really nervous because most libraries that I've seen that are agnostic that have wrappers are not that great. Yeah. Like they honestly, they feel kind of like, like the reactivity is busted. And it, it I mean, it's the same experience as like using an iframe, you know, mm -hmm. you're like, okay, I've got this crazy beast thing and I'm just like wrapping it up in this facade and calling it, you know, something that runs in React. So I didn't want it to feel like that. I was really scared about that, but I, I don't think that it does that way, personally. Where are you? Where are you in general on all this talk about React lately? You know, sort of that like uh, blog post of um, React. I love you, but you're letting me down, or like putting me down, or something like that. Uh, all yeah. that like. We React was like, I fell in love with React because it was simple. And now, like, uh, there's so, so many foot guns. Yeah, all, the, all <laughs> that talk. Where are you on that? Um, React is, has been getting me down a little bit lately. But I think that's because I lived in a place where most, like, your typical React developer wouldn't live there. I am managing a massive single page application that has so many components and, and logic and like interactions and like things happening that sometimes it feels like I'm building a video game instead of like an app, hmm. you know? And I've also put myself in an awkward uh, position to some extent because I've chosen to build crazy things in like native React land. Uh, like I wrote a charting library that renders entirely to React instead of just using D3. That obviously puts some stress on the DOM. Uh, you know, I have table, I have a table library that render that doesn't render to React, but I mean, you've got to use React to render it, you know? So by nature, like the things that I'm doing and choosing to push off onto React, I kind of, I had a lot of faith in it and I still do is that I'm like, hey, I can build a charting library and a table library and you know, build these crazy dashboards and everything's rendering React. Wahoo. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, and to be honest, it's it makes it really nice to work with because then if I, like, 
dumb stuff like, hey, I want to I want to embed a custom React component in a tooltip on my chart. Well, I don't have to worry if that chart is built in Canvas or worry about SVG or whatever. It's just React, so I can just pass my component down. So there's some really nice usability stuff there. But along with that has been just a crap ton of memoization and you know use callbacks and use callbacks and use memo and 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 not not just for performance but just like to satisfy the change detection gods of react that's really what it is and it's like the deeper i got into react over the last five years the more that i am at odds with the reactivity quote unquote engine of react like it's not reactive Mm-hmm. But it can, but it appears to be reactive because it's just this big, giant, memoized function. That's there's functions that are getting called everywhere, you know. <clears throat> and I've had a lot of talks over the last two or three years with Ryan Carniato about Solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no surprise this is where my conversation was going because I'm very loud about Solid right now. But like fine grained reactivity, I mean, it should be built into JavaScript. Let's. Let's admit there should be like some first class citizens for that. And don't tell me that it's observable because it's, <laughs> I don't think it is. You're not, you're not going to hear that from us. No worries. <laughs> but I don't know. But like, I might say Bobix is a pretty yeah. nice thing. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, in hindsight, like four years ago, I was like, oh, Bobix. Or no, it's longer <laughs> than that. It's had to be way long ago. I was like, oh, Bobix, what a terrible. I would never use that. I'm a Redux guy and immutability. <laughs> You know, um, oh, how opinions looking, change. <laughs> but looking back, I can see how, you know, maybe I was turned off from MobX or tools like it because they they were a little unsafe with some of their APIs in the early days, right? Oh, you can just mutate anything you want, you know, and then kind of like spider out and do all these things. But that's how fine grained reactivity works. Um, but I've seen that that's possible to do well. Because of tools like Solid, Ryan's been able to show me that that can be done well. So here I am with these golden handcuffs of React. You know, all of my stuff's built in React. My app's built in React. My website's built in React. Everything is React. And it's not bad, you know. But I am bumping up against the ceiling on some of the things that I'm building. Where I'm like, you know what? I wish I really had fine-grained reactivity here because it would eliminate very, like, big classes of problems that I experience with mm-hmm. like, you know, cross-cutting concerns in my applications, re-rendering all the time. Like, I don't think a lot of people get to the point where they have, you know, hundreds of components trying to re-render at 60 frames per second in their app. Right. Know? And did you have ever have like a feeling of maybe if I use this reactive library, like for example, Mobix or Zustand or whatever is now out there that could kind of change the way you work with it. Have you ever considered it or PLC? A little bit. I I thought about that early on. Um, and I thought, okay, I just need to be more efficient about what I'm updating and how I'm updating it. Um, but that doesn't cover all of the use cases, right? Let me give you an example. Even if you were to take solid and build it into actually you can there is like a solid hook like a solid Mm -hmm. state hook that you can use in react even if you were to use that for your entire application 
you you will have the assurance that your data and state management will be as fine green granular as possible. So that will be extremely efficient. But at the end of the day, uh, all of those reactivity signals that are kind of bouncing around your app, they're getting downgraded and downsampled to the component boundaries of React. Because React doesn't know how to slice and dice anything inside you know, of an individual component's output. Maybe, you know, like, oh, children, passing children, there's some tricks around props.children, right? But like, if you have a bunch of HTML, like a big old template, and one thing in that template should change, like, it's got to re-render the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. So you're still capped at the reactivity boundaries of React, which are components. Whereas with something like Solid, or and view gets into this a little bit, I think, where you know yeah, you quick you update as well, by the way, and and quick and I can't forget to say quick. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna get mad. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get mad. I work for Builder now. <laughs> I, I gotta say so, something. Yeah, you're okay. That's fair. You can. I would expect that from you. <laughs> but but it, that's but it's okay. true. Like they, it, they don't sponsor this podcast. It's okay. I cannot <laughs> say it. Also, this is our <laughs> little shindig going here. So, maybe they should start though. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe they should. <laughs> and that maybe they should. Uh, yeah, they should. Steve, if you're listening, start sponsoring <laughs> my podcast. But, but you get what I'm saying. Like if, if your framework is capable of interpreting fine-grained signals in your templates, then you get to take that even a step further. And it's like, oh, hey, uh, this little tiny signal changed. Um, this one little text piece of text that we interpolated inside of, you know, our template, we're just going to update that one thing. Um, like that's, that's the granularity of updates to the DOM that you want and kind of the granularity that we all got hooked on at the beginning of React, where it was, it was kind of like this dream of you just kind of blow everything away and rebuild it. And then the reconciler goes in and, and only updates the pieces that you need. And that really was fantastic. It was way better than angular and things that we were using but now mm -hmm. now we have the problem of just building what it should look like is heavy as well now you know just but like, being able to track all that first of all I'm, I'm surprised you mentioned that from like an application developer perspective and not from like a library author perspective and I'm I'm wondering like what's the percentage of like application developers um like React application developers have this problem? Do you think it's like unique because of your specific like you know um I don't uh, know. I don't know. <laughs> I, because I don't know because I, I feel like there's is kind of a mystery box for me about like what what is an app. Like what, when people say, oh, I build a React apps, like what the heck are you talking about? Because there's already this chasm of people that are like, well, I built a marketing site in Next.js, so I'm an app developer, you know, or I built a single page landing, landing page in React. Uh, I'm a React app developer, right? Or it's like, hey, I built this Ionic app that uses React and like it's an actual app, you know? Uh, right. But it it could, it just, even then it could just be super simple or, or you could be like, Hey, I built this single page thing in react. Uh, it's called Figma, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, like right. it's, it's so all over the place. So when people say hey, I'm a react, I'm a react developer, I never know what they're talking about. 
And gotcha. I think you can just, I, from my perspective, I kind of look at everything like just a majority of websites out there are just static content, uh, you know, markup and styles, blogs, and marketing mm -hmm. pages. So I would think that a lot of React developers are probably still falling into that bucket with the most of the things that they build, right? Right. But I, I, but then I know that there are lots of SaaS applications out there. I mean, Create React app is massive, or you know, right. for better or worse, right. probably yeah. worse. Yeah, um, I'm just, <clears throat> I'm just surprised because for me, like I've only worked at like on like you know information systems, typically like SaaS apps. Nothing. I've never worked on like a marketing page or something like that, and I've never even, you know, it's not, it's not like problem i've ever even thought about you know Wait, well, like, you mean you never ran into performance issues in like a react application you worked on like over renders I, of parts over renders yeah but not not like problems of like um you know of like the like having these like enormous templates that like i would benefit greatly if you know, if the reconciler could chop them up into like reactive and non-reactive parts. I mean, usually, I mean, the problems I've encountered, you know, back, which I don't anymore because of SSR, to be to be honest. I mean, not because of SSR, but sort of I use Remix in my day job and I sort of feel like I don't care about like re-renders anymore. It's not like, I don't feel that that's like a problem at sure. this point. But like um, even in like the good old like pure SPA days, most rendering problems that I've encountered were like solved by just rearchitecting your code a little bit. It's, it's never adding I, a I, set timeout in a use effect just to have a re-render when something else. <laughs> no, but I'm talking. It, it, you know, if you do it, I mean, yeah, there are the obviously the the edge cases, but I'm just saying that I've never really encountered something that like my like a template of like a chunk of html sure. is like so big that like you know or and that, something like that's that. just a contrived example to be honest so let me stand in your end of the pool for a second and say that i tansac.com runs on remix mm -hmm. uh and i also i don't worry about re-renders there but mm -hmm. that's not because i'm using remix that's because the nature of the website is that of a content site right the bulk of the work is happening on the server when I render, when I grab the data, render it on the server and shove it out to the client. And there's a couple of things that update here and there, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, on the other end of the pool where I'm standing is I have an SPA, app.nozzle.io. You load it up. Everything's behind login. Everything's behind an auth, right? We've got, you know, 50, 50 route trees. Uh, so tons of routes. We've got queries with React query that, you know, a lot of shared data everywhere. A lot of mutations. There's an entire like administration section of the app, right? It's like, hey, mm -hmm. here's how you manage everything. So it's like all the crud stuff. But it's not like, oh, I'm going to create it to do, you know? <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm creating, like we, we track keywords. Like we help people track keywords in, on Google, right? So you create keyword sources. And those keyword sources can have sometimes hundreds of thousands of phrases that can be grouped and sliced and tagged in a bunch of different ways and then multiplied out based on how many devices and, and categories. So 
it's uh, the, even just the management side of it, the CRUD side of it, we're dealing with really large data structures everywhere. Um, and then once we, you know, admin all that stuff into our backend, then we get into the dashboarding and data visualization part of it where we, our queries. So I was just on a dashboard working on the dashboard this morning before I got mm-hmm. here. There are, this one's a smaller dashboard. There's four widgets on it. We've got three widgets that are mostly charts and then a big fat table underneath it. Um, each of those, each of those widgets is crawling over terabytes of data on in BigQuery on the back end and mm-hmm. then pulling in like still a lot of that data. Like I wish we could get it down to, you know, not a lot, but pulling in a lot of that and then pushing that into the client. So we have, you know, we're looking at like two years worth of history. And we're already downsampling. So we have maybe 300 data points wide, 10 series tall on a chart times three, you know, with multiple views that you can change. And then a table that, you know, thankfully we default to showing 20 rows, but you can Mm -hmm. go up to 100 or 200. And we're like 30 columns wide with spark chart lines inside of some of those cells. Each one of those spark chart lines has, you know, maybe 10 to 20 data points. So it's, it's a multiplicative problem with the DOM that just like almost the same way that like virtualization that you're like, oh, I got to render this list of 10,000 elements. Like the DOM just chokes, you know, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and, but React chokes before the DOM chokes sometimes. So these are the kind of experiences where I'm standing from, where I'm like, hey, you know, at the end of the day, yes, there's a limit to how much I can just put into the DOM, but I want that to be my limit and not my, and not my framework and, and my reactivity stuff, because I've gone to great lengths to make sure that somebody can change one thing in one of these widgets and only have, you know, that one widget re-render and only the charts that it pertains to. But then there's changes to the page that are cross-cutting where you're like, Hey, I'm going to change a filter to my data. And now every single widget, every single chart should be re-rendering. And I don't just want to like redo all that work, which memoization kind of leads you down that path, right? If you can have more fine-grained effects and fine-grained stuff, then your calculations can be a little smarter too. So to me, it's a holistic move to just be more specific. And like, I, I think Misco... Speaking of Misco, like his demo at jams.com was fantastic because he kind of showed the same, you know, philosophy. He has this like a clock ticker demo, you know. It's funny you mentioned that because a lot of people don't get that demo. But right. go ahead. And, sorry. And he's like, he's like, hey, look, we got the resumability, you know, and, and it shows how they load in just the block that changes that stuff. And I'm like, that's the resumability is cool, but it kind of overshadows one of the biggest coolest things about just having fine-grained reactivity is that he shows inside of his like logic that it's not re-rendering you know that entire clock it's going in and slicing out the styles to that hand you know so that it's just changing the rotation and i'm like that's cool that's the part that gets me really excited you know so i don't know uh, and I'm not going to lie, a lot of this is just we, we build our own problems. Nozzle's a big app, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stuff moving around. There's a lot of technical debt, too. 
but if I were to rewrite it today, I'm not going to say, well, if I rewrite it, I'm going to still rewrite it and react um, because I, I'm still going to bump up against a lot of crap that really bothers me. Like use callback and use memo and dependency arrays are the worst. Like, yeah. Anybody using React that doesn't have that whole command period fix my dependency array ESLint plugin, like, <laughs> you're going insane. You're slowly going insane. And even if you do have it, you just you get to the point where you're like, I don't care. Command period, fix these dependencies, and let's pray that they're right. You know, uh, yeah. And, and then, then you an have infinite an infinite loop. loop. Yeah, like because and then you, you get into little, yeah. yeah, and then you get into stuff where we're like, oh, actually, I want the latest value of this thing, but I don't want it to be tracked. So now I have to create this hook called use latest value, which is basically the thing that they had an RFC for, which they just killed. And I'm like, when does it when does it stop? And they're like, oh, actually, we're rescoping that because we're working on something called React Forget. So they're going to become a compiler, and you know, yeah, you know, you're talking I, about the use like, of use event, right? Yeah, and and it and like I've had that hook since hooks came out. Like I built that thing manually for myself. I know it goes against the rules of of uh, you know React and like breaks some rules. And they're like, you should never use refs to you know change things. During, you know, it's like, well, you guys do that yourselves. But <laughs> um, I I don't know. Like to me. If when and then if you go and move into something that has fine-grained reactivity, what that really means is that you are you are writing those dependencies are implicit in your code. So you're opted into reactivity by default. Mm -hmm. And then when you want to opt out, it's actually so much easier to opt out in something like solid than it is to opt in to reactivity with something like React. In solid, you can just be like, untrack like untrack this thing that i'm reading and and solid's like okay i'll not watch and then you read it and then it comes back in and it's like okay i'm watching again um and i know that every other system like you know solid has that exact same thing it's like hey this is something i don't want to track that's that is the rare occurrence in my opinion that you don't want to track something so Sorry, this is a way big rant. I'm so sorry. No, that's it's, exactly why. That's we why have we this have podcast. you here. I'm airing my grievances here, um, and I'm and I'm mad because you guys brought it up, and we could be talking about other things. But uh, so, what do you want to talk about, that or not? not no, no let, let me rant. let me finish that out. I just want to say that, like the like the happy path for a framework like Solid or Quick or whatever is that you're just opted into reactivity. And the rare occurrences that you need to opt out, it's really easy. There is no happy path for reactivity with React. The happy path is you doing a shiz ton of work to make sure your dependency arrays are right. Uh, and then the minute that you need to escape hatch out of it, you have to build your own weird abstractions to stabilize things and make sure that memoization doesn't trigger when it, when it should, I guess. It's just awkward is what it is. And it's it's not that awkward if you're just building a site when Remix because, yeah, most of your stuff's handled, you know, before you even render. But if you're building an app that's got a ton of interactive things, um, then, and it, it just, I don't know, half a million lines of code of that, that's, yeah. that's insanity right there. What is your thoughts about, like, this, like... And don't get me started cycle. on training new developers. How, oh. how to do that oh yeah <laughs> yeah That's but what are your thoughts one. about 
like going back the cycle going back of the like the, the SPA era and now going back to multi-page applications all this server-side rendering that's been brought back react server components and you know solid starts VeltKit, now quick with quick city all that fun stuff which is all making that isomorphic javascript a fun thing to handle also or or pespas as yeah, uh, kent pespa. uh, calls them i'm so tired of the names <laughs> and the acronyms and it's like the spectrum is so wide and fluid that you could come up with an acronym for every single application because mm -hmm. everything's a little different but like but this movement overall i i like it like i fortunately was able to begin as a web developer before single page apps were like the thing, right? So I remember PHP and I remember how nice it was just to be able to, you know, do everything, most things on the server and just kind of throw it together. Mm -hmm. um, and then Node came out, got excited, but got excited, right? Uh, I think it's natural that we swung the pendulum as far over to, you know, the SPA side as we could. It's kind of like, if anything can happen on the client, let's make it happen on the client. And we, we tasted everything. We've tried everything. And when we did it and, it, and it worked out. And there were some things that were really nice about that. And there's some things that we learned that are not great, you know? And right. in like my, mobile in my devices. Opinion, yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. Um, in my opinion, the, the idea that the entire ecosystem needs to shift back and, you know, it's a big holistic move back, it's like, no. Really what it should be is like, we are, we're painting a can, like a, a painting a canvas, right? And we went over to the SPA corner and we painted some things out and some of it's great and some of it needs to stay. And for some use cases, the SPA solution is fantastic because, you know, I think, I think a bulk of people, like I said, I think there's a lot of people who are just like blogs and content sites and, and. Uh, uh, I guess like e-commerce and stuff like that, right? There's certain things that just don't fit the SPA model very well at scale, right? But we moved them there. We're going to move them around. Uh, but we're kind of dropping people off as we move around for different use cases. <clears throat> and I think one of the use cases that stuck is like these uh, like enterprise admin heavy game-like experiences, they fit really well in an SPA. To like still, I think, and telling those applications that, hey, the industry's moving back. Like we're going back to MPAs. We're going back to pe PESPAs, I think what it was, right? <laughs> um, so you need to come back. You know, you got to come back. And unless, you're, unless your use cases and your constraints are aligned with that, like for me, Remix, Next.js, you know, got big and I was like, whoa. I'm moving, you know, my marketing site, I'm going to next. And then Remix happened and I was like, shoot, I'm moving into Remix. And uh, and then I built like my Tansac.com site in Remix. Cause I'm like, well, yeah, why would I want that to be an SPA, you know? But I think the mistake would be thinking that everything has to be the same, right? right. Nozzle is an SPA and I wasn't like, holy cow, I need to rewrite everything in Nozzle to Remix or next. It's like, no way the the incentives do not align like you know seo is not a concern 
for that application. Uh, we know we have big bundle sizes and mm -hmm. that's not going to change. Eventually there's just a shiz ton of work that we got to do in the client for, to help our users achieve what they want to achieve. Um, we're going to make that as good as we can, you know, but I'm not concerned about if, if I can load a dashboard with 10 widgets and a, you know, a thousand data points in, in 200 milliseconds and get, you know, a hundred on accessibility scores. Like your users wouldn't care either. Yeah. Obviously we care about those things overall, but my users would be like, who cares? Give me more dashboards. Give me more charts. Oh, give me more data. They're going to be like, actually, hey, you know what? I, I wish we had a way to manage my millions of keywords in a better way. That's what they want, right? Like, mm -hmm. absolutely. They don't, I, they don't care about those things. Absolutely. The, uh, uh, DHH said uh, once that like the only refactor, uh, like rewrite that he supports is when you're, you're actually want, trying to build a new product. And I agree with that. I think like we're way too quick to sort of, oh, this like new tech came out. Let's sort of refact, you know, it's, it was like the hooks thing where yeah. they were like, do not rebuild your apps with hooks. And like the next day we all were like, listen, I don't uh, care. Mr. Custom hooks, custom hooks. Okay. Let's put them no, all around. Listen, Mr. PM, we cannot use this legacy technology anymore. We need a month to sort of rebuild the entire app. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree with you, but like, um, let's say like just to, uh, I'm not trying to bait you here, but like, let's say you had to rebuild, um, a, a product like, um, nozzle, what, what doesn't fit, you know, inside of like the, the remix, um, you know, um, uh, methodology, let's, let, let's call it, you know, it's not like. It's not, it's not an actual MPA, right? It's just like, it's an S it's an SPA. You're just pushing, you know, some, you're just pushing a lot of work to the server. You're still like making Ajax calls right. to the server. Yeah. So it's, it's just mm -hmm. like, for me, it's just like a change in mental shift, you know? Um, yeah. I've had this question, but obviously I've asked my question, like, you know, should it, should I rewrite nozzle to you know, use remix or, or be a next app or something like that. Right. And some of those incentives do align, right? Because we do have a, a lot of admin to an application like Nozzle, right? We've got, we've got a lot of pages where we're just managing crud, uh, all stuff that could be done on the server, um, you know, prefetched on the server and, and rendered nicely and everything, uh, mutations become clearer. The routing becomes nice and clear, right? Um, and that that a lot of that makes sense. And there's even some situations where, like, well, I would like a center stack solution here, like a kind of a full stack, even though. Because, so we're venturing into the territory where, like, uh, a full stack solo developer, or uh, versus a full stack team of developers versus a multi language team, like you know are all going to have different opinions about center stack, right? But for little use cases, like I can totally see where, even though I've got a team sitting behind me that builds all of the API and builds all the backend stuff for me, like there's still some value to having a center stack that we are aware of. Um, it's It won't be game-changing for us, 
but it could help out with some things. Uh, like a versus, like a B, like a BFF, you mean? Sort of have it remix as a backend for front end. Right, right, and and right now today, you know, you're doing Greenfield, a Greenfield app, and you're doing it all on your own or with a full stack team of TypeScript developers. Your your backend for front end, you are serving your API through that same interface. You know, your 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 backend infrastructure and API is running like right next to the rest of your routes in a way um, where like you're like you're calling into the database right from those files where for us, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily be doing that. Like it just kind of be passed through on a lot of stuff uh, unless I needed to do something between our backend API and our front end because we have customers that consume our API as a product, right? And I'm kind of one of those customers. And there's a few things in our API that are catered towards the front end of our application. So I, I think, yeah, it, it just depends. But then I look at it as like, oh, if I'm a solo dev and I'm going to be building just kind of side project solo thing, that totally makes sense to use something like Remix. And if you're starting Greenfield, so circle back to your original question. If you're starting off Greenfield from scratch, um, I think tools like Remix and Next have made it easy enough to say, I am going to stick with this SSR MPA model, knowing that if I need to do SSR, I can do it the right way. And if I need to do SPA stuff, I can do it the right way. So I don't really think anyone starting a brand new project today has a lot of motivation to say, mm, you know, you know what? I'm going to spin up my own Veet, uh, my own Veet bundle thing and just do a static thing. Like people should be picking something that can do SSR really well, regardless if they are planning on doing that or not. And unfortunately, Nozzle started back in the day when that wasn't really a thing. Right. And the incentives don't align. That's why we're not changing. So yeah, if I were to rewrite Nozzle Greenfield today, I would be using one of these tools like Remix or Solid Star or Quick City to do it. Even though, here's the other facet to the, the answer to that question. All the admin stuff, there's a lot of things that, yeah, happen on the server mm -hmm. um, that that SSR will help with, regardless if they're logged in, it is behind an auth login or not. It's just going to help with like, not shipping too much stuff to the client. Yeah. There's just a simpler um, model to, to yeah. develop those types yeah. of things. And then there's areas where that just doesn't make any sense at all. Like our dashboards uh, would basically have to just render a skeleton out of the gate and say, Here, here's a skeleton for the dashboard and, and the handful of widgets that we know about. But the contents of those widgets um, would never fit into the, the model of uh, an SSR framework. Mostly because some of them take 300 milliseconds. Some of them take 10 seconds. Some of them could go, it depends. If you're looking at five years worth of data with no sampling on, you could be looking at, you know, a two minute query to go get that data. There's no way that I'm going to wait for that to finish on the server or even, or even just, or even stream it. Like I don't even want to stream it at that point. Just. Yeah. I want my request to be fulfilled pretty that quickly. That would be a really bad user experience for someone right. who has to wait, stare at a blank screen for 10 seconds. It's yeah. better to show him something. 
Right. And the minute the minute that you can't fit your data needs into the constraints of wait on the server until everything's done or stream it in a decent amount of time, the minute that you can't fit your your data into those constraints, you're back in SPA land where you have to do client side data. You have to do it just because, I'm, I mean, I guess you don't have to. You could stream for two minutes, I guess. <laughs> you could, you know, you could, you could sit and wait for a blank white screen for, right. for 30 seconds. You could. The question it's is, your should call. you? Should you? Yeah. I'm, and I'm saying for, for my use cases, I absolutely should. My use should be serious. So <clears throat> that, that's kind of where I stand, like where, like, I don't, I do get sick of people talking about apps versus sides, you know, because even inside of Nozzle, there's different incentives depending on which part of the app you're using, like admin, CRUD, incentives there, dashboard, incentives there. Then we have embeddables that are like, they're kind of like app.nozzle.io slash, and then just kind of like this top level, we're like going to embed that somewhere. That would be a use case where it's like, oh, actually, I want that to render really, really fast and be as lightweight as possible um, because people are going to embed that somewhere, some report or some yeah. widget or chart or something. So also like nice preview with meta tags and all that. Whatever. Yeah. It's like a Twitter, like uh, embedding yeah, a tweet, embed right? Yeah. So by the way, Mishko just shared this on Twitter a few days ago where he took a blank page and just put a Twitter embed. And then ran uh, Lighthouse that. on it. Oh. Like 1.6 megabytes of code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. Oh, poor, poor Twitter. Uh, yeah. I've actually seen, so so like uh, Swizek, Teller, and mm -hmm. Kent, I think at least, both have have shown ways Custom. where they built their own yeah. embeds. Which yeah. if you're doing a lot of that, uh, that's that's a great, great. Yeah, worth your while for sure. Yeah, and then Astro there's like, also has a plugin for that. Yeah. You can also kind of do that. And then if you're using like WordPress, like you can just use like a WordPress plugin and do the same thing. Mm. It's just like whatever. Speaking of that, shout out to WordPress. So I have, I used to be a WordPress developer 15 years ago before same I here. started getting in, before I started. And that's why I started learning PHP, right? Mm -hmm. um, then, uh, so I love WordPress and it's fantastic. Got into front end and then we started our company and we needed a marketing site. And I'm like, well, I don't want to, build a marketing site, WordPress. Like I'm, I'm a React hmm. developer. <laughs> so, uh, so we use, you know, we use React. I actually built my own static site generator called React Static a long time ago. I remember. And I then, that, yeah. and then I got, I got rid of it um, because I didn't want another full-time job. And <laughs> then, uh, but yeah, so that went on for like five years. Right. And just recently, just this year, we decided, uh, to migrate back to WordPress for our marketing site. Really? That's um, awesome. Which to front-end developers are like, what, no, why, why are you, you know? And I'm like, no, I'm the one who helped make that decision <laughs> because I've got a marketing team now. He just walked past the door, you know? Um, yeah. The marketing team, and they don't know React and JavaScript and CSS or anything. They know they WordPress. Know WordPress. And guess what? You stick a cache in front of WordPress, and stick it on a CDN, you're screaming just as fast as any other static thing, you know? And, and it's dynamic if you need it to be. It's crazy. So, and they're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm building custom pages and building custom components with all these widgets. And, and I'm just uh -huh. like, 
I hear hear I can plug something here for the company I work for, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you definitely could. Uh, wait till they sponsor you, and then you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll wait. You should use instead of WordPress. It's B U I star 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 star. Yeah, star star. <laughs> and um, then you can drag and drop your stuff. You don't need WordPress. Yeah. <laughs> but but so much of it comes down to just the you know, the like, what are you optimizing for? What are your incentives? You know, like my marketing team doesn't give a crap about React. They just want to mm-hmm. ship new as new pages with great SEO and write content. And I'm just mm-hmm. getting in the way. So it's kind of the same way when you're talking about building apps and sites and different parts. So wait a minute. So what did they do within WordPress, which is so much easier for them? I'm curious. Do you use Elementor or something like that? Yeah, like, well, we're trying out both of them because before, like way back in the day, Gutenberg had just been teased. Like we had already mm-hmm. moved off of it and then they teased Gutenberg. So it's been like a couple of versions. So we're trying out Gutenberg. We're trying out Elementor. We're kind of seeing where we land. Uh, trying out some tools like Croco Block, I think is one where like you can, you can give, like they can model actual databases, like custom databases and serve it out of WordPress. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but all like like WordPress is the OG uh, drag and drop no code tool, you know, for better or worse. And there's it's right. definitely both. It's the OG one, you know, so it's, it's very fleshed out in terms of market and what's out there. Are you um, sure that it's the OG one? Wasn't Joomla or Drupal before? Well, that? OK, yes, Joomla. Yeah, that's that's actually the very first one that I used. So Joomla was like high school when <laughs> when Joomla was hot, like Joomla got hot as I came out of high school. And we were like, oh, Joomla pages and and you theme and, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, it was it was awesome. And it was like all new tools, you know, you, you learn new tools. So no, I remember that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel like Joomla had its had its day maybe a little too quickly, and then WordPress kind of started to take over. But we took over. Good times. Yeah, but the problem is with WordPress again, and this is from my experience. I also did WordPress for a long time. uh, Is that if you don't know that you need to put a cache up and all that, and you don't know all those things, and people that usually spin up WordPress sites are either yeah. People that are starting off a business who just want a marketing site, they just spin it up, start sticking lots of plugins, and then mm-hmm. everything starts to just slow down like crazy. And you know what? If you don't know that you should put certain things into your dependency array, <laughs> <laughs> things get I, slow. I, and I love this because at the end of the day, we're developers and you just need to know, you know, we. there's not going to be a point where we're not going to have to know how to do something the right way. There's always going to be a right and a wrong way to do something or many, many right ways and many wrong ways to those things. And that's our job, you know? So somebody's like, well, yeah. And right now in React, you need to know dependency array management. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot more than that. And a lot more than that. Yeah. And and that's another thing too is going back to the well, how quickly can you teach people to use something and how does it scale with people? It's like the less problems I can drop onto a new hire or to someone we're teaching, the better, you know? Yeah. And making that the happy path. 
Absolutely. So we we have ten ten minutes. How long how long yeah, do we have? Yeah. Left? We're I mean, depending on you. We can we can be here all night if you yeah. if you're interested, you know. If you want to rat away. Probably, we don't have anywhere I could to probably go. Probably do another fifteen minutes. All right. That works. So talking about incentives, <clears throat> we're very interested in your incentive um to go into the router space. I mean <laughs> yeah, this and, is another this is yeah. another bait coming. But like <laughs> um yeah, it's just like, you know, as a remix dev myself, I was obviously like very, very excited about the Tansec router, but I was also like bummed because I was like, man, like, couldn't they just, you know, figure out how to like get that into like React router, you know, and w then we'll all get it, you know? Yeah, couldn't uh, they? So, couldn't yeah. they? <laughs> so... So we're interested to to learn what what drove you to go yeah. into that path, you know. I'll I'll give you the I'll give you kind of a quick version because it's there is a long story to it, but um I I was using React Router V5 like everybody else and pretty happy about it. Um but then um nozzle happened and it just got really really big. Um and most of it started with search parameters like query parameters and because we are dashboards and nozzle so I, I don't know if you saw my jamstack conf talk but we keep all the state for our app like to be able to reload in the url like to share it and everything it's all up there and so these dashboards are huge and you got to think like every widget could possibly have its own kind of query like a sql -y kind of a query it's not sql it's json right mm -hmm. so so it's a lot of data up in the url and i was trying to do all that with v5 and um it, sucked. <laughs> it was it was hard because because you just had you kind of just had like use uh search um and then like from there it was just it kind of was just a string and so you're pulling yeah. in and out of this string and anywhere that you wanted to change that with like links so that they're command clickable or anything like that, you you had to basically be deserializing from this string into JSON and making sure that you're doing it the right way all the way through. So uh, like you have to be immutable about it. You have to use structural sharing so that you're not triggering effects. Mm -hmm. And normally people are like, well, why does that matter? It's because normally people aren't storing nested json in their search parameters they're just like oh key value and we're done right but that doesn't that doesn't cut it you know the, the minute you put anything into url search params it just becomes a string and, and it's the worst i wanted more i like wanted more resiliency out of my search params so i decided to go at least at the at the top level it's still key value but those values can be json objects so it's compatible with url search params um, like for basic stuff, but you can keep going. So anyways, I needed that and I needed a way to like basically just manage that as easy as I do anything else. Stay uh, like calling actions on it and being immutable about it. So I want to basically to set state API, but for the URL and subsets of it and like with lenses too. So I can only subscribe to certain parts of it. So I started building all of that on top of React Router v5 and then v6 beta 
they teased V6 beta. And then it stayed that way for like, like almost mm, two long years, time. I think. Long yeah. time. <clears throat> but I I built a wrapper, a wrapper yeah. library around V6 beta. And I wrapped every single export, every single one, because I had to hijack my own, like put my own context in there. I had to be, I was changing core APIs of the link component and the navigate, like the use navigate hook. Yeah. Like I had my own library, you know, that was a couple hundred, maybe, maybe 600 or 700 lines long on top of React Router V6 wow. beta. I used to do that too. Wrapper driven <laughs> development. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it worked for a while, but it, at some point I was at odds with the internals of, of React Router. Um, and it got us, it got us through a release and it got us into some really heavy dashboard stuff. And that was awesome. Um, but at some point I was just like, this is too much. Cause I was, we have drill throughs where you go from one dashboard and you like click on like some little sub link piece of data takes you to a different dashboard. And you're kind of, you're taking parts of your current structure of your URL context and you're keeping some and you're ditching others and you're creating new ones and you're shifting over into this new drill through dashboard. And it was wild, wild west. Like we, there was no type safety around any of it. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes there were multiple re-renders because there's no concept of like default search params. Uh, you had to do that like in an effect. Um, and yeah, it just was not, it just wasn't native to like the, the solution I had. And I was, I kept building to try and like, uh, build securities into my little wrapper around these expectations. And eventually I was like, I got to crack open React Router, you know? And, and I did for a, like maybe a week. I was like, I'm just going to copy the source right into my code and just hmm. expose the context and just change the things that I needed to change. And it was all kind of just local for Nozzle. <clears throat> that didn't last very long because I was like, I am rewriting everything in here. You know, so I was like, I'm just going to build my own router. Um, so I, I built React Location and I basically took like the public API of React Router, the things that I liked, and from there started changing things. And it actually ended up being quite different. Uh, it still had, it still had like JSX driven routing and whatnot, but there's so much more about search parameters and like the public APIs were way more powerful and flexible in my opinion um and they allowed me to keep going with nozzle for another you know eight months nine months and it was fantastic didn't have to worry about it so all of our drill throughs were working i could manipulate the url search params like state like i could just be like set params and grab the old and you know immutably change into the new um but i still hadn't solved the type safety problem and that was the inflection point about a year ago, where I was like, I'm going to try, I'm, and you know, this is the thought that everybody has. It's like, well, you have a great tool. And like, well, the types, well, that can't be, that can't be that hard. You know, we could type this. Hmm. And I tried to like back port types on top of my system, not even with just with type definitions, but just like rewriting the current architecture of my router in TypeScript. And it didn't work. It doesn't work because there are so many assumptions built into like these SPA routers, not just React router, but a lot of them 
They they rely on context, uh, React context for a lot of stuff. There's just a lot of like runtime behavior where you're saying, give me this thing from this hook. And there's no way to know the types of that, of what you're asking for, because there's no explicitness designed into the API at all. It's just kind of like, use loader data, use params, use search. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, TypeScript can't magically know what the heck you're asking for here. Like you, there has to be a logical way for TypeScript to get you that data, that types. And, and, and in the same, the same fashion, if you were to like be validating that data and, you know, actually working with it at runtime as well, like doing runtime validation, it'd be the same story. Your router still has to have a way to know what the heck are you asking for? So I can validate that you're getting what you want. Mm -hmm. So there were core architectural changes that I ran into where I was like, oh, crap, I, I have to re-architect this. And unfortunately, TypeScript is going to take the wheel. So it did. And I had to explore a lot of weird TypeScript advanced patterns, like lots of long discussions with Matt Pocock and friends about how TypeScript works and how we can architect this thing, you know? And I finally found patterns that work. And that's what is built into the new router today. It's, it's beta, it's undocumented, whatever I know. But yeah, I tried that, to use it and kind of hit a wall somewhere. No, no, no. Like it's totally busted right now because I'm, I'm ripping out a bunch of the internals. We can talk about that too, if you want, but, uh, it's kind of cool. Hey, if you got time, man. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but anyways, that's, what's there now. Right. So I applaud anybody who wants to venture into the idea of like, oh, like should like Roman, to your point, it's like, should Remix, should React Router have these things? And I'm like, duh, I've spent the last two years. Actually, I spent, I spent a lot of time in the past actually trying to convince Michael Jackson to, to have some of these APIs. And at the end of the day, I just, I don't, it must have not been worth it to them at that point in time. And that's fine. That probably wasn't their main concern. And I, I had talks with Kent when he worked with them. Uh, about it. And it was kind of the same response. It's like, well, you know, this stuff is interesting, but, you know, it's not really our concern right now. Um, so I said, okay. And that's kind of why I went and kind of did my own thing. But originally, I wish a lot of this had been built into React Router. And the type safety thing's hard because React Router has been through a lot of breaking changes. And those breaking changes have I mean, I'm okay with breaking changes, but apparently there's a lot of developers <laughs> out there who hate them. Yeah. And uh and I I guess the sentiment is that, you know, it's just like no more breaking changes, please. So um in my opinion, like I would love to see React Router and Next too. Anybody like adopt fully type safe routing, but from where I'm standing, it's not gonna be like a oh, let's just slap some types on here and call it a day and it's just gonna work great. They're either gonna have to get really heavy into code generation which they can mm -hmm. do with Remix, but not React Router. And Next.js is already doing code generation. I mean, they don't really have any excuses not to be doing fully type-safe routing other than they, they, they have They have some library that my friend uh, Gal Schlesinger worked on, which you yeah. can type route like the links. Okay, so anything right. that link, you can kind of type and, that. But... And I look at a lot of these tools and, and they're really good, like good steps. 
um, back in the TS Wizards Discord with Matt Pocock, you know, the the theory behind a lot of the stuff that I was doing is that I don't want any casting. Like, it's easy. It's actually not too hard to type your to type your routes if you're just your your yourself yourself. You mean as at, at in like user yeah. land? Yeah, at user land at like at the usage site, the call site of where you're doing something, you can pass a custom generic or do an as something. And if if that works for you, that's great. Uh, I've already run into many situations where that just doesn't scale across mm -hmm. the code base. It still breaks too easy. Um, and inference is just awesome. Like, why would you not want everything to just work without you having to actually think about, okay, how do I type this thing, you know? so. That's kind of where I landed. Um, and I, I hope that, that anybody who wants to add types to React Router and Next.js can do it without severe breaking changes. Um, but I'm not, I'm not that hopeful because I've been through it. Um, and it's really difficult to do, you know, well, without introducing some type of breaking change. Um, so with that said, uh, that's why I built my own router. That's why I have my own router. And and I'm not trying to compete with Remix. I didn't build some framework, meta framework. Like I, I use Remix for Tanstack.com and I love it. And Next.js currently powers Nozzle.io and it's great. But for my single page apps, you know, I I needed I needed a router that was freaking bulletproof when it came to search parameters and the APIs around them. Oh, and I just added caching like the last week before mm. I launched, like before I teased it, I guess. Um, but that's just what I needed. So I just built it. Um, if people use how much, it, I, I'm curious, how much would, could you port like from uh, React Query and Tanstack Query to, into the router? Well, I did location take some of the, oh, um, tan, like React Location is not very, like I didn't end up bringing over a lot of logic from React, React Location. Most of it got rewritten. There were a few things around like, you know, some of the regexes and things that I used to parse paths and whatnot, but like some mm -hmm. low level utilities. Um, but Tansac router is mostly new. It uses the history API, the same the same mm -hmm. history package that, that React Router uses. So that's cool. Thanks, Michael. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Ryan. Actually, I don't know who works on it now. Thank you, whoever works I, on I, the history I package. I think they deprecated it. No, didn't they pull it into to React Router itself or something like that? I hope not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not sure actually. Because <laughs> then I'm, I'm sure. then I'll have to. If they deprecated yeah. it or pulled it in, I don't know. Then I'll, I'll have to figure something else out. But um, yeah. yeah, what were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I gotta say I gotta say I work on the, the app that I work on has a lot of uh, tables and a lot of forms and. Hands down, the, the the most difficult part of React Router Remix at this point is search params. Like the the way, even with like using the native like URL search params um, thing, you know, it's still very very difficult. Well, uh, it, as it comes said. out as a URL search params class object. Yeah, you know? and. And then when you set, when you go to update it, you get a URL search parameter object that you can manipulate. That's fine. But it's still, you know, the, the response from 
the the Remix and React Router team and from just the API as like if the API was a person, mm-hmm. the response is still this is good enough. You know, you you should have everything you need here to do what you want to do. Um, but I I could show you that that's not good enough. That that if you like, this is a common use case uh, right. for applications and like the. 99% of the time I agree with the with the with the with the concept of use the platform right well sorry but url search params is a piece of the platform that kind of sucks like i know it's good enough for 90% use cases but as soon as you're outside of that use case it's terrible it right. really is and and it, it can't offer you any guarantees around type safety and it doesn't work well for validation and it doesn't have a great pattern for updating things inside of it. And uh, absolutely, it, same with same yeah. with like form form data. It's mm-hmm. like the same yeah. thing for me. Just like from the other side. I mean, once you have like twenty lines of code, just sort of extracting shit from like a form data object, yeah. you know, with all its mm-hmm. like clunky APIs. I mean, it's fine, but it's definitely not something to aspire, right. you know, towards. Um, there's so like there's reasons that there's libraries there. built around this stuff, right? You yeah. have form libraries because the platform isn't good enough sometimes. Right. For simple stuff, it is. Absolutely. I love my remix forms that are just dead simple, right? But my CRUD stuff in Nozzle is by classification a form, but it's a form managing hundreds of thousands of rows of data. It just doesn't make sense. And, but then, you know, like using the platform, like, like fetch. Well, yeah, of course we should use fetch. Let's just standardize on parts of the platform that are actually great, but let's not get so, let's not get so, you know, single track minded Mm -hmm. on the platform that we can't admit that some of it just isn't as good as other parts of it, you know? So absolutely. Yeah. Well, Tanner, this was a great conversation uh, and we really appreciate having you on. Yeah, you are definitely an inspiration, man. I love it that you went out and like had to fix your problems. So that's why you ended up with like all of Tanstack. That's just an incredible story. Thanks. (laughs) Well, and you know, that's one thing that I I was going to mention earlier is it's like, like with the router, if no one ends up using Tanstack router, I don't really care. I like, I built it for me and I would have built it anyway. Um, and that's that's kind of how it is with all of my stuff. Like I'm dog fooding all this stuff, it like very intensely. Um, so I'm but happy. If you that, build it, they will come, right? Yeah, I'm happy that that people love it and that they're willing to help me make it better, right? Uh, but I I'm also glad that I don't have to make it successful. I don't I don't have to make Tanstack Router the most popular router on the planet and i don't have to make my open source do anything other than solve my my real problems at my startup and future startups right so right oh the one thing we didn't talk about was the, the rewrite the internal rewrite of router no, I'll, give you the 20, I'll give you the 20 second well, version oh all right uh basically i want adapters around all my libraries for all the for all the frameworks um, right now, the cores of those libraries are written using React's style of state management, immutability, single store, subscriptions with 
selectors and memoization. Turns out that doesn't scale back mm. up to fine-grained reactivity. So if I were to build a quick adapter or a solid adapter, it just really wouldn't really work that well at all. So mm. I decided that I'm going to rewrite all of the cores of my libraries. I'm still trying to convince TK Dodo about React Query, but at least Tanzac Table and Tanzac Router, uh, Router's already pretty much done. I'm replacing it with a new reactivity core that's based on solid. In fact, it's written by, uh, I think his name is Milo. Uh, he's in the, he is in the solid JS community, but he wrote a new version of the solid core architecture. That's super awesome. It's lazily evaluated and really, really performant. So the, we've been working together to build this kind of, it's called, uh, solid js slash reactivity and it's just the reactivity internals oh, of solid amazing. um so basically signals stores routes effects and uh memos and that's the thing that uh theo uh, uh teased that you guys were working on oh yeah that's the where it, where it was born in that photo we were talking about yeah. it and uh it took me another month or two to convince him but he's like okay we need to do this so uh, cool. I've rewritten the, the router internals. I'm almost done with it to use this new reactive core. So it's using solid, but in the core. Yeah. And then, That's and then awesome. the react, the react adapter just has a hook that I built that, that down samples and downgrades all of the reactive signals coming out of this reactivity core into the coarse grained reactivity at the component boundary for react. It's a That's cool. It's like it's like yeah. Alpine JS uses the view reactivity core. Yeah, and I figured, why might not base it on like the most complex situation, which is solid is basically as fine grained as you get before going to vanilla JS. Um, and so if I can do that, then we've already we already have kind of the roadmap laid out. Like it's going to be really easy to downgrade to view, spell, uh, any quick anywhere. So. Should be pretty so, cool. Nice. That's man. amazing. That is amazing. Anyways, I'm really excited about that part of it. Um, I'm not excited about the React table part of it because that means mm -hmm. that I'm going to have to eventually bring that tech into table and it's going to be a big rewrite. But I'm not going to oh, do yeah. that for many, many years. So anybody listening, <laughs> he's like, oh, just upgraded a V8. Calm down. No, you, you don't have everyone. to worry about that. We got like 30 listeners about it at this point. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> with you coming on, it's going to be more. <laughs> but we can, we're we keeping at it, you know? Like you yeah. you, you have a problem with stuff. We wanted a podcast where we can rant and talk and, and talk with interesting people. And that's why we have it. That's awesome. I love it. So, Tanner. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, pleasure. And I'm so happy we finally got a chance to do it after so many scheduling conflicts. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, it's Public so transit is the worst, but it's also the best. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, had a, we had a ball, man. Yeah, we'll be happy to have you again if you ever have the time. And yeah, let's, let's, let's uh, build up some more rant, rant fuel and, and material, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just let it fly. No <laughs> <laughs> doubt, man. All right. Great. Thank you very much. All right. See you guys. Bye, Tanner. <laughs>